0: We're all unique, and we're supposed to be the fullest expressions of ourselves. And many people are artistic or creative and have beautiful gifts that should be brought into the world, but they feel they can't do it because of money. Our beliefs about money are very deep in the subconscious, and those can be very strong and difficult to overcome.
1: This is the Personal Finance Show. I'm Beau Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Danielle Alexandria wants to help you create true wealth and freedom for the rest of your life. She believes that creating wealth isn't just about investing in funds and letting them grow for 40 years. A more holistic approach is needed. As a financial empowerment coach, Danielle will help you overcome your limiting beliefs about money, heal your emotional wounds, and help you develop the mindset of the wealthy. Your thoughts about money might be holding you back. You might think that you can never be wealthier, that attaining financial freedom is impossible. Well, guess what? If you keep thinking these thoughts, there's a pretty good chance they're going to come true. Psychology plays a huge role in finances, and Danielle is here to help you break down whatever barriers are between you and financial success. Danielle joined me in Dufferin Grove Park in Toronto to tell her personal finance story.
0: I think it's going to have to be payment from the Tooth Fairy.
1: Okay, so Tooth Fairy. <laughs> I think I've had that before. You probably I'm not had sure. That maybe before. maybe once. But uh, why is it so memorable for you?
0: Well, I don't have a rags to riches story. So I don't really have anything traumatic to share that yeah, I've, okay. I've overcome. Yeah. So, I think I just remember money being a good thing and I guess a reward. So maybe I had like a really positive first experience. Yeah,
1: that's it. that's good because yeah, so then you were able to carry that forward into your life. And so build that's, on that. So you have a positive, Still, you still do have a positive relationship Oh, absolutely, yeah. So the tooth fairy, do you remember how much you got?
0: <laughs> well, th- I don't want to give my age away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, okay.
0: Let's say a dollar. <laughs> okay. <So> do-
1: <laughs> yeah, I, would- I definitely didn't get a dollar. So, okay, so you get a dollar and it was a reward and... Like, did your parents give you any kind of allowance and anything like that I did that get too? an allowance
0: growing up. It wasn't anything over the top. I thought it was reasonable and it would adjust as I got older. I got a little bit more, but I got my first job when I was nine. So I've always worked. I've okay, always so
1: after independent. the tooth fairy, it was basically tooth fairy, maybe a little allowance, and then you're working. What are you and doing like, at nine?
0: I delivered papers. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, good. Then I
0: got into babysitting, then I got into retail, and then it kind of went from there.
1: So uh, what, what made you... Because not everybody has this need or, or want to get a job when they're younger. Mm. Or, or is even encouraged? What Do you remember what kind of pushed you into I need work? I'm or I not, want to work?
0: I'm not really sure that I do remember, to be honest. Um,
1: well, what did you do with the money that you got? Do you remember that?
0: Well, I loved clothes. Okay.
1: <laughs> so maybe that was a motivation? Probably
0: a good motivation. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I just... I was always... You know, my parents, I, I believe, raised me very well. You know, you work hard, that you go out and make what you want happen. Very so you saw them oriented. doing this?
1: What, what did they do, if you don't mind um, me asking? Yeah,
0: my father worked in IT. Okay. Um, he was in project management. So he worked with a lot of, like, customs brokerage systems, developing their back-end computer programs. Okay. And he loved doing That's that. That's very specialized. Yeah. And my mom, she worked for, the like, a health, a health board. So in the administration of it for public health. So she was always very interested in health.
1: Okay, so your parents, you saw them working for money, basically, was that kind of the the main thing? You saw the things they were able to do with it and and you you could get your clothes?
0: I I wouldn't say I necessarily viewed it like, so transactionally, it it was, you know, they enjoyed what they did and money was there too. But I don't Mm. think I really made the correlation like, you know, they're going out and slugging away to make this money. It's just sort of, you know, both things seem to flow. So maybe that's a credit to them that I didn't really hear those messages.
1: Okay, so your parents, though they, they must have taught you that if you want stuff for yourself, yeah, you have to yeah on your own.
0: Yeah, they definitely raised me and my brother to be very independent mm-hmm. and to make our own decisions. You know, I was always extremely independent as as a very young child, mm-hmm. and still to this day. And so I think that I just decided, you know, I, I'd like to go out and. Get a job and earn some income and have my own thing.
1: I think that definitely goes hand in hand with uh, independence and making your own money early.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know,
1: my brother was the same. He went out and got a job. You know, he wanted uh, to just be able to do his own thing, right? And I wasn't too concerned about that, so I was kind of casual about getting work. I got it when I needed it, mm-hmm. right? So everybody's a little bit different, and so so nine, you're doing. Newspapers then, and babysitting at the same time? Uh, I think that no, started at... do you have to be?
0: I started at 11.
1: LA, you can babysit at 11? You can, what yeah. You it was, like an, it was It was
0: my mom's, uh, <laughs> like, her friend's daughter.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so friend of a friend. It's somebody yes, you trust. Yes, It's not like we're... Yeah, I don't know. You know how someone finds a babysitter today. Is there, like, babysitter.com? Yeah, there probably
0: is. <laughs> if not, we should get that domain. <laughs> we're, I, just, I
1: just bought it right now. Not, I got my phone out. Um, or babysitter.ca. And uh, yeah, it's probably better, (laughs) but you did that. And so, uh, and then you're, you're going to high school. Are you, you're getting more, uh, did you say you work in retail?
0: I, no, I didn't get my first retail job till I was 18. So it's it's like the last year of high school. So what
1: are you just still like babysitting? Babysitting, and then in
0: the summers I would do like nannying, which is just you know a nicer way of saying babysitting.
1: Okay, that's a good experience. Yeah, more responsibility. Like you're there. Are they going on vacation or something Well, the
0: the the mother would be there, but she would basically hire me to come, either full time or part time. So I'd go home at the end of the day, but you know to help her take care of her kids. So
1: you're not living in. I'm not living in your neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. interesting. So it's, yeah, full like full time babysitting, yeah. which is nannying, yeah, yeah. they made a couple of movies about they have. About this for sure, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I don't know of, of anyone in high school uh, doing that. Uh, I thought it was like you know you go off uh, to another country or you, it's like it take a year and you go somewhere <laughs> else. But hey, that's a that sounds like a good gig for the summer.
0: Yeah, that's no good. Lawns or that's true.
1: Or landscaping true. Or, or whatever the yeah. the the, uh, the grunt work uh, that they yeah. have us do. Which I mean, you know. It, how old are these kids?
0: Uh, it would range, uh, like, babies under yeah. a year. Okay, well, maybe to... landscaping
1: is not so bad.
0: Yeah, not. maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> they can be a handful, yeah. that's for sure. Well, yeah.
1: it sounds like you learned a lot of responsibility early. You
0: definitely learn it is a lot of responsibility yeah. taking care of people's children. I mean... Truthfully, it's almost the ultimate responsibility. Their yeah. children are in your hands.
1: That, that's tough, right? So, yeah, who cares if you mess up somebody's lawn, right? Right. They're that's <laughs> nothing.
0: It <right>? grows back.
1: <laughs> or you deliver the wrong newspaper, <laughs> yeah. Oops, or you wrong never, house. you ever do, it's like these are my kids. <laughs> yeah. You can't mess with them. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's very interesting. I don't know if I've heard of anyone doing you know that that's early in your life I to, guess I learn learned that, good
0: responsibility yeah, early. now yeah. then now that I'm kind of thinking about it so mm-hmm. thank you for
1: that I mean I'm sure it goes hand in hand with with the finances mm-hmm. too so mm-hmm. do you remember then from that job what are you doing with that money are you definitely saving more clothes so the, okay. the
0: clothing is improving as I'm getting older
1: <laughs> right because
0: I can afford better
1: <laughs> so you do you have any motivation at this point to save for school or the future or
0: anything? um I definitely did save. I I think my parents instilled, you know, a a savings habit. I wouldn't say, you know, it was really structured and defined. For example, like save 10%. It wasn't like that. Not yet. Not yet. I'm fortunate. I did quite well in high school, so I received a few scholarships to university. And then by the time I went to university, I had three jobs. In fact, my first week on school, I worked like a full-time job 35 hours wow, and started what? school and I was like I need to quit one of them so yes. I had you know built up my ability my capacity to work a lot
1: okay what are these jobs
0: I still had my original grocery job which is my first okay, retail that's job retail job at 18 then I got a second job working for winners which was my favorite clothing store when I was like a okay, teenager motivated
1: by clothing I hear and that. my
0: third oh no I don't remember I know I had three and I quit one. Oh, I remember I was um selling uh like tuxedos for weddings, for like proms, rentals. Or, oh, rentals, rentals, for weddings. so I was, okay. you know, would fit them and do the alterations and things like that. And it was like one of these has to go because, like, I can't do this. Well, much.
1: why three in the first place? Do you remember why you even wanted um, to have that many? I mean, the fashion motivation for winners I guess, makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I, I enjoyed it. It probably gave me an opportunity to, yeah, keep busy and really practice my independence. You know, yeah. you're, Now you're getting into like late teens and you really want your independence mm-hmm. more and more.
1: So you're in school though. I was in school. What, what did you get to uh, take?
0: Um, I have a degree in kinesiology and health science. Nice, nice. It's that's, yeah.
1: that's very useful for, well, what is it useful for? <laughs> I'm glad, that's funny. Uh, essentially, you're not going to be a doctor. I know. That's which what, everyone says they're pre-med, I'm sure. It's a, it is a
0: pre-med degree, okay, yeah. or you might become a phys ed teacher, for There's example. There's a lot
1: of things I just, I couldn't think of. Neither that. appealed to me.
0: But um, <laughs>
1: well, why did you take that in the first place? I was then?
0: very interested in health as yeah. well, and I, I feel like it was an incredible program to learn how the body works. So I feel like I have, you know, great understanding there. Then later in my life, I discovered money. So I feel like I understand health and money. So, you know, those are great foundational things to know yourself. I remember actually what happened. I actually got accepted as a communications major because I loved writing. And about a month before I was supposed to start, I woke up almost in a panic, like, oh, my God, I can't write essays for four years. Like, that is just gonna, (laughs) like, I can't do that. And I drove up to the school. This is not like me. I'm not this impulsive. And I just changed it on the spot to kinesiology okay and never looked back and it was the right decision and I loved the fact that where I went York University Mm -hmm. so they have one of the largest kinesiology programs in the country okay and they have a practicum component meaning you have to take like a sport each semester and you're trained by the varsity coaches so like I did basketball and like I learned swimming gymnastics like ballroom dance tennis, all kinds of stuff. All that
1: stuff. So you get,
0: you get your exercise in and I met great people like kin people, you know, they're really down to earth and sure. social like kin, like family. And it's true. So I, I absolutely love that. I did that degree.
1: That's fantastic. So you're still working while, so you had two jobs then during this?
0: Well, or eventually it, it, it dro- dropped down to two or one or yeah. then, then I would go full time in summers because now your options open up because you start, you know, you're in university. Mm-hmm. But the first year going in, I was still kind of like really heavy on the retail. And then I started to move away from that into more of corporate stuff.
1: So how did you pay for the rest of school? You got some scholarships? I worked.
0: I got more scholarships as okay, you it progressed. Getting,
1: you, do, you have to apply every year for that kind of thing? Um, or how does it work? Some of
0: them were through the school. And then um, I actually also received them through my father's company. Nice. So some, That's good. some companies have, you know, scholarships yeah, yeah, for yeah, kids. Exactly. But I'm also, I do need to mention, my parents um, bought Canada Savings Bonds. They did? In uh-huh. preparation for education. When
1: you were very young? When I was young. So and they would have kept them in RESP. They kept ESP. them. Is that, um, does that work that way for Canada Savings I Bonds? I don't know. They about. used
0: that program, but they bought Canada Savings Bonds to save for education that's for amazing. my brother and I. So I'm yeah. very lucky. And when I, you could
1: actually make some money out of Canada Savings Bonds. That's right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Not now. I don't recommend them. No. Um, so I think that was an equivalent of about one year of school, and then I had I got that's six nice. scholarships, and then I paid for the rest of myself. So. I'm very fortunate that I did not graduate with a, a boatload of debt. Yes, very, very blessed. I do
1: like to talk about scholarships whenever they come up. Because yeah. Did you have to put? Do you feel like it was a lot of work to apply no, for these scholarships? No, not at all. Do you, do you have any experience or people are like you could have got this scholarship if only you would have applied? Absolutely.
0: It's funny. It's like it's the same thing. For example, government grants or other mm, programs. Sure. There's great stuff out there. I, I would s- almost say it's like the equivalent of. Getting a resume ready for a job. You, yeah. you want to make sure that that thing is perfect and mm. tailored to the job you're going for. Okay. There's no mistakes. You've put your effort in, like, you really want it. It's the same amount of effort to apply for a scholarship. Like, mm. and it could change somebody's life.
1: But maybe we don't have these skills yet when we're 17, 18, 19, I think it's whenever.
0: Maybe desire or attention to detail or. Sure. Maybe those are just, you know, traits a person has, even from a young age. I don't know.
1: People are missing out on money, though.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. I didn't do it because i needed the money it was more just like this is available to me why wouldn't i go for it you know
1: that, and then you, very you, you to, logical, to receive smart it thing to, yeah thing but why don't we have this it doesn't seem to be our, uh, in our common sense
0: i don't know that yeah i suppose that's true maybe people think you know they won't get it so they don't apply it's it's it sort of maybe like a an unworthiness thing mm-hmm. right was there
1: like a website or something like that how did you know about
0: them um well some of them were schools so they yeah, post so you the know, the posters school. around campus yeah. or whatever i guess we didn't have email back then no but okay. you know yeah. flyers and things like that and then my father i guess obviously hearing about you know that's a company benefit that your children could apply for And this. i'm
1: sure it's a million times easier now to find scholarships it's probably all i'm online. sure there's aggregate websites you're probably like
0: you know just purse your info from your social media profiles now <laughs> so yeah i mean you
1: know whoever's listening if you if you're uh Thinking about school, just like don't discount the scholarships because I, I hear a really good stories. Yeah, because it sounds like if you do one, you're probably more likely to, to apply for others and exactly. maybe get others. Exactly, right? and then
0: you feel really good, like wow, I'm I'm really succeeding. So then mm-hmm. it, it's a reward in itself.
1: But you were able to pay for all of the rest by yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. But you had a little bit of debt when you when you graduated.
0: No, I didn't no, have any none debt. None at all. No.
1: That's smart. And this is all living costs, or did you live at home?
0: I lived at home. Okay, so that's a good benefit Um, to you. except in third year, I decided I I need to know what it's like to live in <laughs> a dorm on <laughs> okay, campus. Okay. Okay. I lasted three weeks and I came home, (laughs) but I have to tell you why, because I was in third year (laughs) and everyone was first year and they were like, Oh, you're third year. So it just was like, this is, this is really silly. You know, I'm not like making friends because everyone's first year and just in their own world and I'm a 20 minute drive. So there's kind of no point being here. So I Just
1: to to compare to my But I can say I experienced it. In third year, I moved into a... on-campus one-bedroom apartment oh, so okay. like i was in residence first year right. and then i'm like my third year i'm like nope but Screw i'll that. stay on campus <laughs> there's no way i'm living with other people right i live with people for second year and then i'm like i don't know you my got own.
0: there young only
1: 500 bucks a month right. wouldn't you like oh, that rent now <laughs> oh, i don't know i i hope it's close to that now still like you know just subsidized sort of student housing but yeah. it was a nice big one-bedroom yeah. apartment. Amazing. right? Why not, right? Yeah. So you get this degree in kinesiology and health sciences, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yes. A bachelor? Yes. And then, what, and then what are you doing with it? So,
0: okay. Not is, now, but so what this, did you, yeah, what so was this, the path after so this that? This is kind of a funny story. <laughs> okay. I, I thought I was going to be a personal trainer. Yeah, sure. But at that point, I wasn't actually like training. I, I played tennis growing up since I was a child, so I was like into that and then golf later, but I wasn't like a trainer in the gym. Mm. Like, okay. Part of those practicums we had to take, in the first year, we had to do a fitness assessment course. And you learn all about, you know, how to assess a person's fitness level. Okay. I get there and we're in the gym for this. And I'm like, what's that smell? Okay. It smells like rubber. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I think I need an office. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the, the,
1: the rubber smell really So I was you? just
0: like, this, this environment just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I haven't thought this through very well because now I'm like a year into my degree. What am I going to do? <laughs> But I'm liking everything else I'm learning otherwise, like all the anatomy and physiology concepts. So I kind of didn't know what to do with that, but I continued. And then in my third year, I took an elective in sports marketing. Mm -hmm. And essentially, that was all about the business side of professional sports. So marketing sponsorships, partnerships, essentially businesses working with professional sports to gain exposure to their target market. And how you would structure those deals and put them together. So
1: that was all in one elective?
0: That was well, that's the premise of it. I yeah. mean at a at a very, you know, basic yeah, you had the intro level. To sports yeah. Marketing. Like like the business side yes. of professional sports. And I just loved it. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And York had a program, a certificate, undergrad certificate in sports marketing. Mm. So I enrolled in that, so that's in addition to the degree. So I ended up doing five years at York because I took this this program. So okay. Part of that course required us to do a co-op, and um, I was very fortunate. But my co-op was with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Yes, and so and now you see I've moved into the corporate side now. Yeah,
1: it's interesting because yeah. yeah, I guess there is the connection there between kinesiology, health sciences, sure. sports, and sports yeah. marketing. Mm-hmm. Now. Was I there at the time? I forget. Did I think we, we missed
0: each other by a couple of years. Yeah.
1: Okay. I so left first. You left before I started. I then? went to Australia. You went to Australia <laughs> for six years.
0: Uh, yes. Five, six years. Yeah.
1: So yeah. the co-op at MLSE.
0: It was in seasons ticket sales okay. and service. So that was the Leafs and the Raptors that, at that time. Now it's expanded to a lot more teams. Mm. And uh, I was the assistant to the vice president. Okay. And, Who was uh, it at the time? At the so University? Chris Overholt, okay. who's now Chris, yeah. the CEO of the Canadian Olympic Association. Yes, I,
1: I actually just met Chris at a, at, a, at, a, at a lunch. We had a, a gathering of previous what employees. What a small world. he was the only one that I had not worked with.
0: Wow, okay. And
1: uh, everyone else, so he knew everyone at the table. I knew everyone at the table, so we were able to... Uh, Amazing. Connect that way, but that's really funny. <laughs> so you worked for Chris. I did for what six months? Um, How long was Okay, co-op? so my
0: co-op is part time for a semester, okay. and then he hired me after. Oh, nice. Um, so that then...
1: guaranteed that wasn't always no. no a oh no, no, thing, right? no, it's but... not.
0: A lot of people at that time were, you know, securing their employment by coming through the co-op route, you know, yeah. which is a great way to prove yourself.
1: If anyone's thinking about co-op, go for it, right? Yes, absolutely. Go for it, right? go for it. absolutely. it's like a, the best job interview ever.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's, it's really funny. I, I was actually recounting this story the other day to somebody. I'm almost amazed he hired me because basically we get in there. He's like, so why do you want this job? And I because it's the Leafs, man. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm that's such an idiot. The worst thing that's to literally say. what yeah. I said, and I said it like that because I was a raving Maple Leafs fan. And uh, he hired me, and I was like, like Okay. It's good and it's bad, right?
1: It's good. Like if that's the only reason you're here, oh no. But if like you are a Leafs fan, it's good to work for the Leafs if you're a Let Leafs fan. Let me tell you,
0: that was a dream to say my coworker is Matt Sundin. Yeah. And like. Oh, just incredible. It really, really was a special time. And I
1: wasn't a sports fan at all. So the only way reason oh. I took the job was because it said all non-sports <laughs> events. <laughs> okay, right. But yeah, I worked down the hall <laughs> yeah. from Daryl Sittler. And Wend- yeah. Well, Daryl Sittler, he had a desk. I don't think, I don't know if Wendell Clark had a desk, but they were the alumni yes, who, right. who would send around to events, yes. right? They would still work uh, for the company. How long did you work for Chris? Then?
0: For about three years. Three years. Yeah. So, first he hired me. I was in my last year of school, my fifth year. So, the first, the fall semester was the co op, so that was unpaid. And then the winter semester, he hired me part time. Okay. And then it went full time
1: when I graduated. And so now you're making some money. I'm so making some money, making but I wouldn't say money. it
0: was like, you know, a massive salary.
1: <laughs> you know, the, the other thing for, working for MLSC, is people tend to take the job, especially at a starting yes. job. Yes. Right? And you might not make the best salary. You're but not going to okay make the best salary. Because you're getting great experience.
0: But yeah, I mean, for me, for the rest of my life, that will still always remain mm. a highlight, a special place in my heart to say, I worked for like, my team that I just was so passionate about. Like, it was the most important thing to me. I mean, what a blessing. You know, yeah. I, I really feel very lucky because how many staff do they have? And yeah. how many fans are there who feel like the way I do? Yeah,
1: there are many, many who, who like yeah. thousands of resumes would come in for Oh yeah, th- people who were Absolutely. fans, right? People yeah. who really just want, and you know, hey, I, I wish every company had that, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? We had a great team. Yeah. I You know, I definitely, my MLS family is like always, oh, in, yeah. always in my mind, and uh, there are, like some of them are still there, and some of them are different mm-hmm. places, and some of them have been on the podcast. So I uh, had Richard, mm. uh, Richard Petty on. Oh yeah. and I just uh, uh, published Dean Clark. Uh, okay, he, he was of course, CFO yeah. When you were there yes. too, because he's always been the top yes. uh, money guy there. Yeah, and that's whether right. It, it was called CFO or vice president of finance or whatever. Yeah. He was always up there yeah. while they were building up. So. Yeah, these are uh, really stellar people in my mind. But yeah, so you're not making any money to really think about investing yet. You're just living. You're I actually didn't
0: know about investing. Oh, yet. not yet. Okay, oh, so no.
1: you're not even you're not even there no. yet. No. Okay, so let's go to Australia. Are we going to Australia sure. next?
0: Sure. Yes, that's okay. perfect. Actually. So, what's
1: the decision to move to Australia?
0: Okay. Well, actually, I didn't move to Australia as soon as I left. Okay. I wanted to go traveling. I mean, I mm. I got hired right out of school, and I just I wanted to see the world. So I left and I went traveling to Europe and I did the, you know, those Kentucky tours you do when you, when you're in your twenties and okay, yeah. you're on a bus with like 60 other, you know, 20 <laughs> somethings and there's sure. lots of alcohol involved.
1: Okay. So you guys did that. That was I did like, that. you want, you wanted to take a little bit of a break. From right of you, passage, working, right? right? of passage. Sp- Cause you never um, had that after not, university.
0: I didn't mind working. Obviously <laughs> that's kind of the theme for me, but, um, I just felt that I, I wanted to see the world at this point and, um, that there was just more for me I didn't necessarily know what but I just felt like this was the right decision.
1: That's smart I mean if anybody wants to get a little perspective and and try to figure out what they're doing travel is awesome.
0: Travel is awesome and you don't necessarily need to know all the answers but if you've got this gut feeling I believe you should always follow it it's always right and the answers will come. So I was away for the summer I came back and then at that point the job market wasn't so great this was in late um, 2002. Okay. And it took me about six months to get a job. Now, I'd only really had one corporate job, which was with the, the Maple Leafs. And you were
1: still looking for sports marketing?
0: I was still in that field. And then I ended up taking a contract with the Heart and Stroke Foundation. So okay. I kind of went into the not-for-profit side. And that was more running events. I would do the, a lot of the fundraising stuff in the schools. So I would do the hoops for heart and jump rope for heart. So I'd go out to okay. the, the schools and pump the kids up and get them excited.
1: Were you working uh, for, on hoops? Were you working with the, the raptors at no, all? There that, no, there wasn't a connection. No connection no, there? Not then, yeah.
0: So it was, but it was events, very grassroots.
1: Uh, yeah, grassroots. Events is tough. Um, it can be. It, it can be if you, because uh, you got to do everything. You have to do um, everything, yeah. All on the spot and, uh, you know, every, like, you have to coordinate the whole thing, right? Yes, and then the event day comes and... Uh...
0: Oh, it's so stressful. Right? Like if you ever go to an event you're like, this is so awesome, I'm enjoying myself. The amount of stress that goes on leading up to it and behind the scenes and you have to have like contingency plan F, you know, for all the contingency plans before it.
1: Something I learned that this is
0: probably not where I want to, you know, focus my okay. energies. Okay. Um, yeah. but I definitely have an appreciation for people in the events industry because they work so hard and it's really stressful. Yeah. There's a lot to manage.
1: Air Canada Center was, oh, was bananas. Absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that uh, that's a it's a unique person who can consistently oh, yeah. run events over yeah. and over and take the stress and take the demands and all that kind of stuff. So you did this for how long?
0: It was a 9-month contract. Okay, yeah. okay. So it was up in October 2003. I was thinking, okay, well what am I going to do when that ends? And uh that's when Australia was really calling to me. And I had met a lot of Australians on my Kentucky summer tour the year before okay, yeah, in yeah. Europe. So I I knew a few people now and I'm like All right. Here was my criteria of what to do next. I don't like the Canadian winter, so I want to go somewhere to escape it. Well, Australia has the opposite seasons. Perfect. So I could literally go beginning Mm. of fall.
1: Yeah.
0: I was going to just go six months, and then I'd come back in spring, and I would literally not have winter for, like, you know, a really long time. I thought that was brilliant. It's
1: hard. It's a a, (laughs) a brilliant plan. How do I avoid the worst parts of yeah. Canada
0: yeah exactly because <laughs> I love Canada but you know the winter come on it does Nobody it weighs likes on you right 60 no, that's true so I thought Australia kind of fit the bill you know Aussies were super fun and social mm-hmm. it's an English speaking country it's, it's a western country it's very
1: similar to Canada do you find uh, uh, we'll talk about that yeah we'll talk about
0: that <laughs> in the beginning I would agree yeah, it's Okay. but as I spent more time I say they're much more like Americans
1: sure oh wow yeah. I don't know the they Kiwis, like at The
0: all. Uh, actually they love America do they? They have a love affair with the states. Interesting. Yes, they do. Okay. Uh, maybe when you go back, you, you can let me know if you noticed that. Yeah. That,
1: well, I, cause we would say we're Canadian and, and well, well, they I, love Canadians. I think maybe people don't like Trump so much right now. So that's, yes, that's, that's true. kind of dampening their true. American a love. So that's, that's my recent experience. Yeah. But yeah, you had, you had, well, spoiler six years.
0: Yeah. It wasn't six continuous okay. years. So oh, first, first I went for four. Well, four then I so came long. back to Toronto <laughs> home yeah. and I was here for seven years and then I was getting the itch again. Okay. And I thought, all right, I'm either going to go to London or I'm going to go back to Sydney. My mom is from England, so I'm, mm. I have British citizenship. So it's like that, that is just makes things so much easier.
1: Sure.
0: But my heart's not in London. Yeah. I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but, um, so I decided to go back to Sydney. So if you add it up, then I went back like another 18 months, and then I came home two years ago.
1: So what did you do? the first four years
0: right okay so when I arrived I was still like working in the sports marketing industry so yeah. I got a job with Ticketmaster oh you did through a contact Australia. I have here so I became friends with the head of Ticketmaster in Canada as a result of working at Maple Leaf Sports he's okay. an amazing man he's retired now yes Tom Worrell yeah
1: Tom, yeah and the new head is my um, former boss Patty Ann Patty that's it yeah, yeah. okay
0: So Tom was kind enough to, you know, okay, so picture this. I'm 27. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never really, you know, aside from going to England by myself and doing that Europe tour, like, I haven't really lived on my own or anything. I've been pretty sheltered. I land in Australia. I don't know anyone. Mm. And my friend Tom emails the CEO of Ticketmaster. Wow. You know, Australia, like this is Danielle, you know, she'd make a great employee. And I'm like, damn, you know, I'm like, <laughs> feeling nice. really great about myself. Right.
1: And how does it work for visas and stuff like that? So
0: Australia and there's about 12 other countries have the working holiday visa. Oh, so you
1: could do the two years? No. Uh, no. What was no. It?
0: So at the time, um, Canadians could go for one year and you couldn't renew it. Oh, now really? they've expanded that. Yeah. If you work in certain jobs, which are very labor intensive, like in the outback and things, fruit picking, for example, you can actually apply to renew it. But now, when I went, it wasn't, and you could only hold a job for three months. Now it's six, so it was actually more restrictive. It was harder. But anyway, Ticketmaster hired me. I worked in the call center. Great. I also have great respect for what those people do. Yeah, so th- these are
1: good oh, experiences. Oh, they were like from the from the nannies. Yeah, to
0: <laughs> events
1: to to events. Uh, just even working in ticket uh, yeah. the ticket sales, which some
0: ticket sales, that's, yeah. That's
1: you know sa- sales is a tough job. We didn't talk be. about that yeah. much, but it's. I mean, maybe not some Leafs tickets. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, really.
0: Yeah. Would you like some Maple Leafs tickets? <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. maybe that was more of a relationship <laughs> management uh, role. Yeah.
0: Well, my role was. I mean, I was his executive assistant, yeah, so I yeah, did a lot of different yeah, things selling. more yeah. support actually i did start doing some sales myself okay um with various tickets and things like that
1: but um but yeah like these are not all... a
0: typical sales job no no anyone who works there
1: so yeah call center and how, so how was that six months um
0: no so it was three
1: months three months yeah but okay.
0: then about halfway through that i was like somehow i, I started working in the box office at their okay. uh like so, their arena so
1: front well you're frontline on the phones but now you're frontline and so they split me and
0: then I also did some group sales so they actually took me off the like regular call center okay. which I was very happy about
1: because that's helpline what is it people have complaints or what no are they it's for? it's
0: to order tickets all for ticket um, people okay. calling in asking questions about their orders sure. and things like okay. that so um so that was three months and then I, I met some great contacts there and you know the world mm. is truly so small and global. The guy who was running it would be the equivalent of like the ACC in Sydney, which is a smaller sure. arena. But anyway, he was from L.A. He used to work for the, the basketball team, mm. Lee Kessler. So he'd okay. been sent. Now, this is a long time ago. But, you know, it's funny how people all move around, right? So anyway, I did that for about three months. And then the point of the working holiday program is you work, you work a little bit, you travel a little bit. You yeah. work a little bit, you, okay. you kind of have this flexibility. So then I traveled for a couple months. I went up to Queensland, mm-hmm. which was beautiful.
1: Great and Barrier then I, Reef. Yes, yeah, Snorkeled snorkeling. it.
0: Yeah, it was. Nice. Oh, it's just incredible. Just a, just, just there. incredible. Yeah, <laughs> like a week and a half. Oh ago. wow, yeah. <laughs> so
1: it's my memory is very fresh. Yeah, but yes, that was. Well, we don't have to keep dating this, but was it two thousand? This is
0: two thousand and four at this point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So.
1: The Reef was, is a little different now. It's, it's it recovering. Is. Yes. But, uh, and you were just there too probably uh, in the last... Like, uh, no, I no, haven't been back. Get, you didn't get up no, there in the last trip. No, I haven't uh, been back.
0: Trip. Not to the Reef.
1: So you got to see that, which is a fantastic part yeah, of Australia. definitely. But you were based in Sydney.
0: Yes, I loved Sydney.
1: And then after your trip, and you went back to Sydney? Um,
0: yep. Yeah, so I returned to Sydney. So at this point I had a base of like really good friends yeah, and my okay. life felt, you know, there. And then I got another job. And I was selling you wanna talk about hard sales. Mm. Cold calling. Oh okay. No. I was selling stadium sponsorship signage for international yeah. rugby tournaments. Okay. So when you watch on TV and it's it's like the boards yeah. and they rotate and well now it's electronic, but back then sure. they were physical structures that would flip. Yeah. And, and so, so you, it was when literally you watch the game
1: on TV. You yeah. see the you see the sideboards. Yep. And we would call them rink boards for hockey. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So it was literally okay, now where I worked you could almost turn this place into a movie, like literally. Okay. We didn't have computers, they literally dropped the yellow pages in front of you and you were to hammer out minimum wow. 100 calls a day, oh. push through to either the CEO or yeah. the marketing director and essentially convince them on the phone without a face-to-face meeting to buy sponsorship signers that might cost 20, 30 grand, 15 grand.
1: Yeah, and how many companies have that kind of money anyway?
0: Even more so, there was no database where, you know, say you're salesperson, A, yeah. and you write down, oh, you know, attempt to contact with so-and-so company, not interested. So everybody was calling the same people oh. over and over again. Meanwhile, and they'd be everyone, like, you people again!
1: Today, they would be using Salesforce or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, it it's was any kind so of CRM, unorganized. And they would all be, like, logged. It, it
0: was unorganized. Wow. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I definitely learned a lot did you make in that sales? job. I did, actually. I did well. I was hitting a sale a week, which was actually the okay. target. But then I reached a point where I felt like morally this is really conflicting with, like, everything how I would even want to do this. <laughs> yes. Like, call up and pressure Learning somebody. Your
1: values, yeah.
0: It, yeah, it really forged a stronger sense of myself okay. and my values. So I ended up resigning. And, in fact, um, when I came in, I had been sick. I come in, and they're having a meeting, and, and the director goes... And, Danielle, I see you've come in because you know that this is a great day to make money. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, it's the total opposite. You have no idea what you're talking about. But, you know, it was that kind of environment, like a lot of testosterone. I feel
1: like I'm feeling a little bit of Wolf of Wall Street here.
0: uh, Almost,
1: almost. (laughs) Without the illegal activities, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I did that, and then I quit. And then my visa was almost up to go home, Mm. my year to go home. And I had, you know, resigned myself. Okay, I have to go home. And then two weeks before, so I, you know, uh, give a notice at my apartment. I'd booked mm-hmm. my flight. Yeah. And then two weeks before I was supposed to go home, I suddenly got this really strong desire. Like, what am I doing? I love it here. <laughs> I, I have to find a way to stay here. Okay.
1: And then. The motivation. Um,
0: yeah. And then I, it just suddenly, I just turned it on. I'm like, no, I'm not leaving. I've decided that's it. I'm not leaving. And I will just figure this out. So I did. And basically, I took a really logical approach. And I was like, okay, well, what industries do, does Australia sponsor?
1: Mm.
0: What are the transferable skills I have mm. that could fit those positions? And who do I know like that I could use to network? And uh, I landed on recruitment because I had no HR experience and I had no agency experience. But uh, they were interested in my sales ability, my sales experience. And I was so determined to stay that I know that that's what, you know, basically convinced them to take a chance on me. Because what they hired me to do was financial recruitment.
1: Okay. So at this
0: point, okay, yes, I, you know, feel like I've had a good energy with money, but I don't know anything about Finance, investing, nothing. And I'm literally thrown into investment banking recruitment. So,
1: so break that down. It's in a very brief description uh, of how to recruit someone. Well, it's, it's
0: changed because yeah. back then there was no LinkedIn or, like, yeah, you know, okay. people didn't have their profiles.
1: But it's networked.
0: It was networking and putting a lot of ads out, you know, and hoping candidates would reach them. But, you know, you'd work for a good agency and yeah. they'd have candidates who would register and, you know, okay. it was known. So when you, the company I worked for was it did both sides. It's called, like, full full cycle recruitment, meaning I'm responsible for prospecting the clients. So calling up, you know, whoever, manager, director, head, you know, if they need staff. So getting the job,
1: understanding the requirements, then
0: writing the ad to track the candidate, interviewing the candidates, managing the candidates. You're doing both sides. Is this headhunting? Headhunting. Yeah. Is that what I mean?
1: That's a a, a derogatory term?
0: It's not derogatory. Usually headhunting refers to more like executive level. Oh, I see. Okay. So I was doing not executive level like below that like entry to say senior manager okay and that was really difficult for me because I didn't know anything about the financial industry and investment banking can be really in your face and like derivative this derivative that and I was like (laughs) so out of my depth
1: you learned a little bit though
0: I well yeah but you had to I wanted to quit all the time Mm. I was just like this oh god I don't know what's going on but the reason I got that job is because I I had a boyfriend and he was a stockbroker, oh, okay. and he had a contact who did financial recruitment here, and he so he sent my resume in and then that's how I got the job. I was wondering
1: how you got the interview. Yeah, yeah. that's how I got the job.
0: <laughs> so the first year was really really tough, and I it's not like I was like I am now where I could just read about financial education for hours. It wasn't sure. like that then. It was like. Okay like force fed down my throat and i just i didn't want to do it so you can imagine it was really difficult but i had to do it to survive to stay there like i had no choice
1: yeah well um, that's, that's how you felt i mean you actually I really did didn't. you actually did you know in the whole well, scheme of things but for you you had no choice for you and that's the most important because
0: right? what i didn't say is so my visa expired yeah and then i had to get sponsored by a company on a four-year business visa yeah and that's not so easy to just move around like that. Mm-hmm. So here's a company willing to take, a, you know, a gamble on me. I have no recruitment experience. I couldn't just go get another job. Yeah, I mean, you
1: could have gone back to Canada.
0: I could have gone that's, back to that's, Canada. That's but I, mean. I w- Right. Which, well, would, have, which would have
1: been you being I would have defeated, been right? You Absolutely. defeated, miserable. And I think maybe some people don't think that they can... You, all the signs pointed, you have to go back to Canada. Yeah. So you believe that, like, the tiny... Well, the big part of you... But the thing inside oh, of it you was saying, so strong. "It was really strong. It was so
0: strong. Like you will do, I will do whatever it takes." And I know that that came across. And then I also would have had to go home, like as winter was coming on. It was like you know the worst possible scenario. I'm like, yeah. I am not going to let this happen. Well, so, that's
1: good. I mean, it's and so you you had you found the resources. I did. You, yeah. Use whatever you had. Yes. And you, like you, you said, you did what you did to I survive. I did what I did. Yeah. But uh, did you stay there very So long? I stayed
0: there for um, two years.
1: Two years.
0: And um, I, I didn't do that well at it mm. uh, for a variety of reasons. But I also felt like a lot of it was pressuring people to do things that you could feel was not in their best interest. It is sales. They weren't interested in me because of my HR experience. They were interested in me because of my sales experience. Yeah. And. Uh,
1: but what, like, what's so uncomfortable about, about somebody wanting somebody to be recruited or somebody being recruited? Well. What are they pushing back
0: you know, let's say I don't have the best candidate for this mm. hiring manager. He could, he could be working with three other recruiters. But I it's see. my job to convince him that you I do. have
1: to. Okay. And
0: let's say the candidate is on the fence about taking the job. You're supposed to. And I didn't do this. Mm. So I did never put up the biggest numbers. Mm. And I thought, I, I know I'm good at feeling into, like, the right match. Yeah. But this environment of being compensated for it is not the right thing for me. Because well, like if agency, it wasn't the right
1: match, you still had to... That didn't them, matter. You, you to make the right. You have to. That's uncomfortable. It, yeah, yeah.
0: So it didn't sit well with me. Okay. So anyway, after two years, I, I felt, you know, kind of done with Australia. I'd been there three years at that point.
1: Mm-hmm. Or four years. Can I ask about your money situation at this time? Like, how yeah. are you afford... Like, could you afford to stay and... Yeah.
0: Buy? I was living with my partner at the time.
1: Yeah. Australia's expensive.
0: Australia's very expensive. Yeah. It was expensive then, but it's even more so now. Oh but I didn't have a car, okay. you know, we split like the rent and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it was doable.
1: You were able to live, but maybe you didn't have any savings. Or... No, I did. You, you were able oh, to I, I arrived
0: with savings. Oh, nice. um, so I never had a like an issue where I was like dipping into it, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I wasn't investing yet. And this is really interesting. My very first experience with investing. So my partner at the time, Telstra, if you okay, know, yep. is like the equivalent of Bell yep. in Australia. So they used to be a government organization and they oh. were just splitting off into private. And he says, you know, there's not—you'll guarantee to make money from this if you just even want to put in like fifteen hundred dollars. Like, I'll do it for you. It's
1: the stock. Yeah. And
0: I was like, I I had this feeling in my stomach, like I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, no, I can't. Even though I trust you totally, and you're telling me it's guaranteed. No, like I didn't know. And so that was kind of like my first like experience, kind of like looking with mm -hmm. investing. And Knowing
1: your risk tolerance, maybe.
0: Yeah, just like, I don't know anything about this. I'm completely uncomfortable to pull the trigger. And then a year later, I had moved back to Canada and I still had some money in Australia. And uh, actually, the stock was doing well. So this was in 2007. Okay. A year before the great uh, oh, recession. No. Okay. No, that's fine. Things were oh, booming still.
1: In Australia. So
0: my, my ex partner at the time, yeah. you know, I agreed to invest in Telstra on his recommendation Okay. and After
1: thinking about it for a little bit. Well, this was different. So yeah, then, different you know, it had, it had
0: gone public and, and whatnot. Okay. And he was like, look, the stock's doing really well. Like it's, it's a good thing to invest in. And I was like, okay. And I remember I still had that same feeling in the pit of my stomach, mm-hmm. but I trusted him and I said, okay, let's do it. And I, I put $5,000 in on his recommendation. Mm. Okay. But I've never forgotten that feeling. Cause that has guided me not to pull the trigger ever since
1: on like in in investing if i have
0: that feeling that i don't know enough i don't do it
1: that's i'm not ready
0: yet doesn't mean no just not now and um a year later of course everything crashed
1: including that including
0: that and i didn't sell fortunately telstra i had it was a very cheap stock i think i bought it at like three dollars and 80 cents and it had like 1200 shares or something like that but they also paid dividends So while the stock hadn't recovered, I evened out with the dividends dividends. a couple years later. And he was like, don't sell now. It's going to go up. And I was like, I don't care. At this point, I had started learning about investing. I'm like, I know what I want to buy here. And I want the funds here. I've broken even with the dividends. So, now I want to bring the money over and invest it. And sure. I bought LinkedIn stock with that. Interesting. And I more than doubled my money. So, okay. that so was the right instinct too. Are you too. learning
1: about investing okay. over on, yes. on this side? So wait. Now that you came back to Canada <laughs> from Australia, what are you doing?
0: Okay. So, I come back and I was like, what do I do now? Now I can have any job because you got I don't a lot need to be sponsored of
1: and you got a lot of different experiences yeah, too. Yeah, I did. Hmm.
0: So, I was literally like, all right, I could go back to sports and entertainment now, sure. which was really fun and None of the stress of the whole financial thing and it's agency funny you and funny say that I
1: still think it's stressful. But, but it's, it's something you, had you really loved. You a different job It's something I did. you loved and it's, it makes a difference. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I thought, no, that's too simple. Hi, do you want Maple Leafs tickets? I mean, uh, that's well, not exactly that the job. Yeah, but I, I get
1: that. Okay. There was no
0: challenge in it. Sure. And then I had just invested three years, like, struggling through learning. And I started to, like, understand this stuff and okay. started to develop an interest in financial education. And I was like, or how about I build on the skill I've developed. I know I'm good at it, just not in an agency. Why don't I do it properly like in-house for a bank? And I might as well stay in the banking industry since that's what I've been investing my time in. So in-house meaning um, you're now in HR and your job is to hire the best person for your company. So that's a far better fit to me. Rather than kind of skimming the surface of many companies and guessing, I know exactly what we need in terms of the person, the culture, experience, whatnot. And... I worked for Royal Bank of Canada, so I ended up applying to a couple banks, okay. and I knew I was going to get this job. I had this intuition. I just, okay. I saw the posting the first time, and I uh, actually ended up seeing the posting three times before I applied to it, and I'm like, they reposted it the, the third time for one day. I'm like, they're obviously waiting for me. <laughs> but I, And I know that sounds like arrogant, but I just had this knowing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? No, I've, I've, I've had it arrogant. about jobs before. You like, look at the job This description, is just my job.
1: And yeah, do you think I match everything it wasn't even a or, logical deduction yeah. it was
0: a flash of, of intuition this is yours
1: like the gut feeling about gut the feeling
0: <laughs> so i apply and um anyway i get hired so uh i was hiring uh, bankers in ontario hmm. for royal bank of canada so i ended up staying there seven years i really loved wow. rbc i thought it was an excellent company i really enjoyed working for them um so i did that job um for four years and at this point, I'm more and more interested in financial education, so I enroll in the Canadian Securities course, nice. and I thought, I don't know, maybe I want to do something with securities. I really like investing in the stock market, so uh, I wrote my exam, I passed, and then I enrolled in Wealth Management Essentials, and okay. I thought, I'm going to be a financial planner because I can help people change their beliefs about money and help them with this, so I started studying that. and. Um, I start getting more and more disillusioned as I go along. So mm. this is only my own opinion, you know, not to knock anyone else's. But I just felt that it was not really in the client's best interest and it was not holistic. So it's a so, lot of yeah, selling insurance yeah. and investments and it's, it's in the, you know, the house's favor rather than, you know, so, low, low fees, for example. Yeah. It's not about that. It's, I just felt it was incomplete and it didn't address the psychological aspect of people's opinions about money. Yeah. So t- I, I abandoned the course, actually. Okay. I thought. You so know, you're learning,
1: they're teaching you this as just like how to sell products for the bank as opposed to find out what the client needs and wants. Well, and- you
0: are finding them out, th- what the client needs and wants. But I, I just found it was, um it's just incomplete. It felt very mm. incomplete. I just felt like, no, this is not for me. And it felt like mm. a lot of memorization of like really obscure tax codes, you know. If the client is from Alberta from before nineteen seventy two and they have six children then you know, four point eight nine coat looks just like I'm the there's no stuff. way I'm gonna remember yeah. this. No. Like I just wanna help people. <laughs> yeah. And it just became Good I just point. the tax chapter was three hundred pages and I was like there is just no way. Like I'm not a technical person, yeah. right? I was like, no, this isn't the right thing. So I, I decided to abandon the course but I kept just studying and learning about financial education and wealth creation, financial mm-hmm. education, wealth cre- And I'm at this point, I'm investing. So I've been investing kind of steadily for, uh, I guess, 12 years.
1: You're doing your own investing, doing You're pick- my own, picking stocks, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you like this stuff? I love it. Yeah. I, oh, I, it'll always have a part of my life. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's not for everyone, obviously. No, it's but, not. Yeah.
1: yeah, if you if you have an interest, yeah, definitely yeah, explore it. Definitely. But if you get the gut feeling in your stomach... Yes. Don't pull the trigger.
0: That's right. And whenever you're
1: doing any of this, right? If, if you yeah. When you're picking your own stocks, you, you feel comfortable. Yes. It's all about different levels of risk. Yes.
0: But, you know, there is a lot to learn with stock picking, which is so different to, for example, like an ETF.
1: Yeah. The stocks have been picked already.
0: Complete, yeah. But, I mean... If somebody is really not interested in studying and learning, and it's so complicated when you're looking at investing, there's a, not complicated, but there are a lot more factors to consider, yes. and also trading versus investing are two trading different is things. Trading so different. Typically, the kind of client I work with doesn't really know much about it and probably doesn't want to, and that's totally fine. Then you know, looking at a thing like you know a low a low. The ETF portfolio, mm-hmm. you know, then that's a perfect solution for them.
1: Take all the for picking so and training out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but, you, but you're you good with this. And yes. So you're liking investing, but you, and you want to help people, mm-hmm. realizing not everyone's like you, of course. right? So, yeah. So where did you go next?
0: Well, I didn't really have an answer yet. I just mm. kind of kept doing it as a hobby and learning more and more and more. Okay. And um, then I just started to move into, like, marketing side of HR, So instead of, for example, maybe selling a credit card, I was selling careers for the entire company. So looking at marketing campaigns and branding, which was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, after the bankers, like hiring bankers, then I I moved to more corporate functions. So I was hiring the lawyers and the marketers and things like that. Um, So I had this kind of, and risk management. So I had this broad view of the different divisions. So... They created a position for me to help build this.
1: I like this well-rounded uh, yeah. career that you yeah. have because it, it enables you to step mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of bridges yeah. to, to build, right? Definitely. So you're able to understand, like, all of the aspects.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely. It appealed as well to my desire to have breadth, you know, to work on something with, like, mm-hmm. a lot of meat to it. It's not just, you know, super focused, right? Sure. Or like, you know, the broadness. So um, I did that, and then I did that for a year and a half, and then I, that's that year where I was getting the itch. Mm. So it just, eventually I decided to go back to Sydney. I worked for Commonwealth Bank of Australia, wow. which is equivalent to the RBC there. Yeah. Very professional as well. And that was also covering every division. was uh, a big role. It was a really big role, yeah. yeah. And I'm brand new. And I actually really struggled with that, which surprised sure. me. Because coming off RBC, I, I was so familiar with the banking industry. And I'd worked globally before. I'd worked in Australia before. I knew my stuff. and. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised that I had to, like, really acclimatize things were different. They're different in every company. I guess that was a good lesson for
1: me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, things, things do change.
0: Yeah. So um, there were some, some issues where, you know, positions were cut, and therefore they had to cut some, some roles in recruitment. Because okay. they had the largest recruitment force in Australia of any company. It was very large. Wow. So they didn't need so many people. So uh, my position was one of those. Okay. Um, now... At that point, I was okay with that because I was really feeling like, you know, i meant to do something more. i meant to do something more and contribute more to the world, and I don't think recruitment is it. Um, as interesting and challenging as this is mentally and, you know, creatively. I I don't think this is, like, where I'm supposed to be. So I ended up leaving Australia. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know what I was going to do, and I, I didn't really worry about it. I had a great time that year. That was 2016. So my role finished in March. And I was on four continents that year. I did a ton of travel. I went to Bali. I was in Thailand. I, was, um, I went to Mexico even before I went back to North America. And uh, I just had a really good time, actually, and didn't worry about it.
1: I like that you have these... There's all these moments in your life where you get, a, you get the opportunity to think about what you're going to do next or, or reflect or think about do I want to stay in this thing and 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 nothing is saying to you you have to do something in kinesiology no, oh, outside yeah. you have to do something in sports marketing you have to do something you know you, you're not limited by that and yeah. I think that's that's a, I think that's really important because if somebody gets a say a law degree they might feel like they always right. have to be a lawyer right and if an opportunity comes up, oh, well, it's not for me. Yes. But maybe, like, how do you feel? I think we're right? trained
0: to think like that, mm. and it's very limiting. Yeah. And our skills are applicable in so many other ways, and I think that's just part of the, the, the struggle or the journey of being human is like to overcome that. And that's a lot what I do in my current practice is helping people realize they're much bigger than what, who they've allowed themselves to believe they are. Yeah. Right.
1: And how did you, how did you, uh, what's well, the first step if we, if we start on the first step <laughs> of this current uh, practice?
0: Okay. So, um, later in the year after traveling, you know, that in 2016, I decided, okay, I think I'm going to be a life coach. I feel like that's a good yeah. fit for me. Um, you know,
1: they but do I, so much, you, yeah, I just,
0: yeah. um, I know I've had this ability to like really touch people and yeah. many people say, you know, they find my energy very inspiring I'm not really interested in inspiring people. I'm more interested in healing people. But I wasn't thinking anything to do with money at this point at all. I thought just a generic life coach. Okay. And a week after I made this decision, well, when I decided that, I thought, I probably should take some kind of course or training. I know I can have the conversations now, like I'm meant to do this. Yeah. But I think it would be good to have some kind of training, like maybe how to structure working with a client or whatever. So I thought, I'll take a course. But I didn't even know what I was going to do at this point. Mm Okay, so a week after this, a friend of mine who I'd met in Bali a few months earlier, who's in Australia, sends me a message. Hey, would you coach me about money? And I'm like, Whoa! Like I haven't even said anything to anyone yet. Like, and I'm like, Okay, well, why don't we like you know, Skype and talk about it? So of course I prepare for it, and and uh, she's like, This is really good. You know, like I totally want to hire you. I'm like, Okay, great. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. So then we have like our first session a week later. So I kind of prepared my own method and what I was going to do. And uh, meanwhile, I was friends with this woman on Facebook from Las Vegas, who is also a life coach. And I thought she had a very clever promotion. Okay. She was turning 50. Mm. So she says, I'm offering a special for the next 50 new clients. I'll give you one free coaching session. Mm, okay. I like, oh, that's pretty smart. So I kind of saw it, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm not her target market. Like, I want to do this myself. So I kind of (laughs) didn't do anything. And then she's like, I really have 13 spots left to fill. Like, you know, reach out to me. And I was like, so I sent her a private message. Like, hey, you know, I feel drawn to your offer, but I want to be honest. Like, I'm just starting to do this myself, you know, so I'm probably not what you're looking for. She's Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. Don't be silly. Let's do it. Like, okay. So we get on our, our call, and I had had my first, like, client session with my client the night before. So basically... We're just explaining to each other our approaches, and hers was more general, and I explained what I did, and she goes, oh, well, I'd like to hire you to be my money coach, too, and I'm like, (laughs) I'm like a reverse marketing genius. she's a life
1: coach. She's a life coach. she's now hiring you to be a money coach. Be a money coach. Because she doesn't do that.
0: Because no, you know, and a lot of people who are in coaching or spiritual Mm -hmm. or healing profession aren't really good with money. Yeah. You know, it it seems like a real contradiction. Yeah, that's true, too.
1: Anybody who has a lot going on, yes. that's not financial. Yes. They're, they're focusing on that
0: stuff. Well, it's also that as a, a society we've been conditioned to believe that you know money is commercial mm. and healing should oh, be a that gift. That too. Okay. Oh, so you know they're like oil and water, but yeah. it's not true. So I help no. a lot of okay. people so overcome this.
1: That's a really good point. So you you're you've been able to combine these things that yes. were um, historically exactly. split.
0: Yes, and then from there, like all these other few other people start some and I'm suddenly have like five clients and um you didn't even
1: uh, I didn't I honestly
0: that. didn't I never advertised I didn't do anything
1: and I was like wow. but I
0: I felt I was the energy of like a really good coach I was there already I know mm. I'm supposed to do this yeah and when you have that deep down that, my confidence almost isn't the right word It's like a knowing yeah then you know the people are going to come because I'm supposed to help them yeah so
1: that just makes total yeah. sense to yeah okay good good I don't have
0: to explain it more so, yeah, then one of them, just just like, you are meant to do this. You're meant to help people with money coaching. And I was like, I think she's right. Like, I've come from the banking world. I've studied financial education. I get money on a lot of levels, like economically, energetically, spiritually. There's no conflicts in my mind. So she says, you're meant to do this. You're meant to coach people with money. And it's just kind of clicked wow, I should focus on this. Yes. I, I really do feel I have a gift to bridge those two worlds. So I really thought I was going to help the healers in the spiritual community when I first started. But I was not thinking about teaching them financial education at this no. point. It was really on the psychological side, like the limiting beliefs and like resolving these so that money can flow.
1: Mm. Um, so that, yeah, there's two different ways there, right? Like Two different things. Teaching if you If you heal someone, then, mm-hmm. like you said, money... Money does flow easier. Is that what you're saying? Money, th- their ability to generate money is mm-hmm. um, sort of enhanced.
0: Yeah. So basically, everything is energy in the yeah. universe. This has been proven scientifically, mm-hmm. and money is energy too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask me, I believe that monergy. M- monergy. I've actually—it's funny—I used that word before with that same client who said you're supposed Did to do this. You trademark that. Monergy. I should. Money to me is the energy of freedom. Yes. And where a lot of people go wrong with money is, you know money is the root of all evil actually that's an incorrect quote it's that the love of money is the root of Ah, all evil because then you become too materialistic and obsessed with greed and that's always going to backfire because if you look at the universe or the the earth for example nothing exists on its own Mm. like the tree doesn't grow without the sun and you know the grass doesn't grow without the rain it's everything is selfless it's man's greed that corrupts money not money itself so it's separating that If money comes from the universe, like everything else, then it's spiritual. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If spiritual people believe the universe is spiritual, well, money is part of it, then it's supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. So it's just sort of like, I think, um, framing it in a way that they can relate to that, that maybe they haven't heard before, that causes them to challenge what they've accepted as true. To really help people overcome their money beliefs is much deeper than that. And this is why it's difficult, because our beliefs about money are very deep in the subconscious. And we've grown up with them. So, you know, we tend to believe what our families told us
1: mm-hmm.
0: and or what's accepted in society. And those can be very strong and difficult to overcome. So the person has to be willing to face themselves and what they actually believe to be true. And
1: This is um, tough. This is a tough thing to do. But
0: this was the stuff I intuitively sensed was needed when I was studying financial planning and wasn't provided And I'm like, I don't have an answer for it, but this isn't the place to start.
1: Yeah.
0: So I, you know, I left it. And then now years later, it's funny how, you know, I've come back to it and it makes perfect sense to me. So my business kind of grew into then supplementing that with financial education. But I was like, even that's not enough. Like, I don't know your opinion on conventional financial advice, but I was like, this isn't still isn't even enough to create wealth. Essentially, I see that there are three components for the recipe to create the results of wealth. Okay. Okay. The first is what we've kind of been talking about a lot is having a proper psychological foundation. Yes. So, you know, that is working with a person to remove negative beliefs, usually around their deservingness. So that mm. could be lack, I don't deserve a lot of money. Fear of success
1: maybe Fear is. Fear of that, success yeah. is it's that huge. Big one? Yeah. It's huge. I hear you.
0: Yep. Typically with money though, people have there's sort of two sets. Of, of that the psychological aspect there's an internal and there's an external so mm. the internal is like that internal sense of lack of worth but then there's the external judgments that people project on money itself oh, money yeah. is evil and especially for example in people in, like the healing community well if I have a lot of money I'm going to become materialistic and turn into a bad person that's not true mm. you get to choose yeah. the relationship no, you're going to have with money right, yeah. but that fear blocks them mm. and most people have a combination of both happening. Okay. so they're just like shackled they can't really get anything going, so the first thing is removing those barriers, those psychological barriers, because if I just start in the place of correct financial education, they're not going to really take action on it.
1: They're not ready to they, hear no. it, right? Yeah, or they're
0: just like that's for other people. That that's not a for lot. me. Yeah. Exactly, it's not the right place to start. And then
1: they start. think, oh, oh, then somebody might say, why? You know, I said do this. Why? Why didn't you do that? Or people think I'm so bad with money.
0: But Right, so the problem is they still have the old programming running mm-hmm. that's dictating, well, that won't work for me. Yeah. So they sabotage themselves. Yeah, so we gotta fix, we gotta start mm. there first. So we go really deep, or I go really deep with somebody, because it's, it's embedded in their level of their actual ego identity. Oh, interesting. And so we have to kind of bring that to the conscious mind, and then you can, I do use techniques from my coaching um, course where we have to challenge the certainty that the person is holding that, that this is just how it is. Mm, and, and that's like that. really empowering because yeah. you just start to see, like they sit up straighter and they're like, wow, and it just starts to fall. And it's like the person starts to just become, they can feel they're much more limitless than they've, they've just been holding themselves in this little box. That's right. And I love seeing that in uh, people. Yeah, you sounds know, sounds amazing. It's, it is. It's about empowerment. But it's not just about money. It's about themselves. That's right. So people will come to me and they think it's, oh, it's something about money. And that's part of it. But then they realize kind of quickly, like, oh, it's all the other stuff I haven't dealt with. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but then you're going to solve that too. Maybe
1: their motivation to come to you is right. they want to get their finances in right. order. Or, you know, For sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we start there. Okay, now once I have the proper psychological foundation in place, then I move on to the second component, which I believe is like unbiased or correct financial education. Okay, yeah. So what do I mean by that? Well, the financial industry, this may be controversial, there can be a lot of manipulation and lies Absolutely. and deceit, and people feel that. And the fear is used deliberately. Not with everyone. I don't want to stereotype everyone. There are great people working in the financial industry.
1: But there are a handful of people But the industry uh, itself is incentivized
0: yeah. to compensate the banks and the yeah. financial institutions. And they're not even legally responsible for your best interests.
1: Fiduciary. They're not
0: a fiduciary. Yeah,
1: and, and the, people forget, and I try to talk about this a lot... The banks are not not in it for us. (laughs) They're in it to make money. They are. But they're the ones doing the marketing. That's it. So that's tough. That's really tough on people. If the only people so I, I use I use the example is if a car salesman mm-hmm. was teaching you how to buy a car. Just go in and take the first price right. <laughs> on the on the exactly. on the sticker. And, and finance the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's gonna make me the most money because I wanna I tell need your listeners to feed my family.
0: Don't ever finance a car. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> that's like one of the worst things you can do. Good advice. Exactly. So Even good people, and I've worked with many of them in my time Mm -hmm. in both banks I worked with. Mm -hmm. I know they're good people, but they're in a system that's forcing them to do things that are not in your best interest. And a lot of the times, the people you're coming to see, like the personal bankers, they're not as educated. They don't have a full understanding of the full financial picture. They're not the best people to guide you. So you're getting advice from people who are selling you proprietary products that that bank has created and you don't really, you know, it's ignorance. You just hand the power over. So what I want to do is teach people how t- the financial system works so that they can optimize what they're doing. For example, low fees in ETFs. I believe that you shouldn't really be spending more than 0.3% on an ETF product. Okay. It's totally not yeah. necessary, at the maximum. Yeah. But the average mutual fund fee is like 1% or more. Yep. Yeah. The problem is people go, oh, 1%, 03 that's not much. Oh, but it's, it's in like, run, in the long run, it's, it, could be, it could be 90% more. Yeah. If you're getting up to 2 2.5%, two it's a ridiculous amount of money. And that can cost you six figures in your financial
1: lifetime. Mm-hmm.
0: Wouldn't you like that in your bank account? Exactly. So I teach people how it works and equip them with the criteria to evaluate it and choose it themselves. So I don't sell financial products. Yeah. I don't recommend any specific, you know, um, stocks or investments. You're just charging a
1: flat fee for your coaching. I, I, yes. Yeah. so it's,
0: it's per hour. Yeah per session and i teach them how to evaluate it themselves sure so i teach them about asset allocation what does that mean yeah. how to do it i teach them you know for example for people interested in obtaining a mortgage one day what's the best way to structure it to save yourself the most money mm-hmm. so how to optimize your financial affairs in the financial system as it is yeah. okay so you protect yourself and again you're empowered with the truth but that's still not enough to create wealth okay. because I believe like conventional financial advice for the average person is get a job, buy a house, get a mortgage, have kids, save 10 percent, struggle to save 10 percent, mm-hmm. and hope for the best in retirement. But that's not working. <laughs> okay,
1: what, that, what's that missing? That model's
0: not working. For starters, life is very expensive now. Mm. Um, we're in Toronto right now, and the cost of living here has increased significantly in the last decade and across most of the western world it's just not enough you need two incomes
1: mm-hmm. it
0: used be maybe one was okay job security though you know working for one company where you have a secure pension that's that exist. pensions may not be there when we no. retire i mean it's just really all up in the air so um in other words we just can't rely on the financial system to take care of us and again they're not legally responsible too yeah. so How do you create wealth? What do we do? What do we do? (laughs) So that's led me to the third component, which is actually wealth creation vehicles. Okay. I believe you need to take an asset-based approach. You need to become like an owner and acquire assets that produce cash flow. Okay. Consistent cash flow over time. And then, therefore, if you want to leave the job you hate, that you feel trapped to make an income to live, you can. And the whole reason that I teach what I do and the way I do it is because not from materialism or greed that's, you know, the sign of somebody who's got a void inside that they're trying to fill. That's right. It's never going to, they're never going to be happy. What I'm trying to teach people is you're here to thrive. We're all unique and we're supposed to be the fullest expressions of ourselves. And many people are artistic or creative and have beautiful gifts that should be brought into the world. But they feel they can't do it because of money. Mm. So I want to remove the barriers so your money is flowing so you can do what you really here to do it's not about materialism or greed or becoming a bad person or whatever
1: it's about empowerment
0: it's about empowerment to be you in the fullest extent possible
1: Um, and i see
0: wealth wealth is the vehicle to do that it's it's a wonderful gift
1: it is a great gift yeah the people who think a budget or tracking your money Mm -hmm. is restrictive Mm -hmm. i always just try to frame it as maybe you'll see that you know, you, when you track something, oh, you actually do have some money left over to do that. You know, right. oh, I only spend $100 on clothes. I thought I spent two. Yes. Well, look, or I have a, I, have, I set myself up where I have $200 to spend on clothes. I can do that. So the, yeah. I can do that versus yes. I can't and the abundance versus lack, totally. right? Totally. I do like that.
0: I, I'm actually not a fan of the word budget.
1: No, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, are. most
0: people just kind of seize up like, oh, the energy is just like, great. I won't enjoy myself. I don't believe in frugality and I think where there's a lot of great financial advice out there, but I find a lot of like the financial blogging world. And I don't know if this is your experience. It seems to be about, you know, be as frugal as possible. Save 50% of your incomes. You know, you read these amazing stories out there, right? The
1: retire early financial independence ones. Why not just
0: actually eliminate the things that aren't really giving you joy and real pleasure in your life, reallocate those to pay your debt and add um, assets so you're decreasing your wastage, but you're also increasing your cash flow and you're not like feeling like you're just scraping by. Why does it have to be frugality? Mm-hmm. I feel like they're missing that part of it. Yeah. So, but also without the psychological foundation, those things kind of don't matter. For some people, they could just jump right in. But most people kind of need to clean up the, the mental base first, right? <laughs>
1: So just as a final point, mm. how does someone add an asset? Like they have to have some cash flow Not available. necessarily. No. Okay.
0: So there are ways to acquire assets where you're, for example, the active partner and you have the silent partner who has the financials. Okay.
1: Um, now that's,
0: th- a good point. that's probably going to take that person learning all about that stuff. There's going to be a growth period. You can't just walk in and somebody's going to hand their money over to you if, you're okay. not, if you don't know what you're talking about but you could look at something like a joint venture in real estate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, typically, I mean, you could have all kinds of combinations, but it could be a 50-50 split. So one person is providing the down payment and the mortgage and the other person is doing all the work, you know, to understand the market, find the right property, negotiate the deal, work with the tenants, manage the books, and they split the profit evenly.
1: This is very smart thinking. Uh, I'm remembering now, I just had uh, Tyler Chef from Cashflow Guys on, and this is what he does. He, uh, he brings people together some people have money, some people have skills. Yeah. Just it's just it sounds like thinking outside the box, but it's actually it's, not, really, it's, it's really, not, is it?
0: It's really logical, but see, you know, to a person who has a scarcity mindset, they don't mm. even know that exists. They wouldn't even and think they go that. like, "What? That that's a thing?" And, I could
1: never do that.
0: Right. Well, not right now you can't. You have to <laughs> yeah. learn how it works, mm. you know? So there's a learning curve. So that's the thing. Is like, are you okay. willing to invest 3 to 5 years of like focusing on this to be free the rest of your life? It's, it's well worth it
1: that sounds great
0: and the, the other thing about that is everybody's winning in this situation yeah So
1: it really is they are it?
0: because the person wants to sell their property and you're going to work together the reason that the, the silent partner would even give you their funds because most people are like well why would they do that they yeah. could just own the whole thing is because they, they might have the money they want a good return but they don't want to spend the time chasing the return mm-hmm. if you do that work they're happy to split it with you they are because the return is good Yeah. everyone wins And you're helping somebody live in a house. I mean, there's nothing dodgy or underhanded or negative about this.
1: And that's just one example. That's one example.
0: So that's kind of what I would call like a quantum leap in thinking. Mm. Because if you're very like linear thinking, which is sort of the more average mindset, the scarcity mindset, now you can see how you can build your wealth. You could do that over and over in like one or two years with several people and several properties. And you just, you absolutely quantum leap to wealth amazing so whereas a scarcity mindset might go like okay well if it took me 10 years to save 10,000 oh it's going to take me another 10 years mm. that's incorrect. incorrect so that's what we want to help people in the mindset of wealth is is to make these quantum leaps but you have to go outside the linear thinking and because you have to decide you're not going to stay where you're at
1: so how do people find you <laughs>
0: Um, they can find me on my website, yep. which is daniellealexandria.com. Okay. I'll um, put
1: that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. All the links. Yeah.
0: And I offer a complimentary consultation, 30 minutes. Okay, so great. I want to make sure that I'm in a position to help the person and that they're ready. And, if, of course, if they have questions or some people might... Actually, I also have clients who have quite good incomes, so the psychological foundation is good but maybe they don't really have financial education so mm-hmm. sometimes i might you know just help somebody with that
1: maybe you can skip a step if yeah already there well if
0: they're yeah if they just don't know what to do with it that's also possible or some people are interested just, just in the psychological or some people are interested mm. in both so it, it just depends on each person
1: it all sounds really valuable to me thank you DanielleAlexandria.com, and you're on twitter
0: i am on twitter instagram, facebook facebook uh instagram and linkedin
1: thanks so much for coming on the show this is this is a really good conversation about like listening to your intuition first yeah, of all. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like let's change our mindset about money. Mm. Let's change the way that we think. We're all so I just feel like we're all thinking about it in this one just really narrow way. One dimensional. Way. Yeah. And and yeah, this is this is great. I hope uh, I hope people listen to this and uh, at least start thinking a little differently about about stuff.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review while you're there. If you're already a subscriber, thanks so much. I'd love to get your feedback on this episode in my new Facebook group. To find the group, go to Facebook and search for The Personal Finance Show. Once you're approved, you'll be able to interact with me and previous guests of the show and other fans as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Personal Finance Show. Next week, my guest will be Arian Bezai, Vice President of Operations at Enriched Academy.